Chapter Eleven of *The Man in the Iron Mask* by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In which the author thinks it is high time to return to the Vicomte de Bragelonne. Our readers will have observed in this story the adventures of the new and of the past generation being detailed, as it were, side by side. You will have noticed in the former the reflection of the glory of earlier years the experience of the bitter things of this world in the former also that peace which takes possession of the heart and that healing of the scars which were formerly deep and painful wounds in the latter the conflicts of love and vanity bitter disappointments ineffable delights life instead of memory if therefore any variety has been presented to the reader in the different episodes of this tale it is to be attributed to the numerous shades of color which are presented on this double tablet where two pictures are seen side by side mingling and harmonizing their severe and pleasing tones the repose of the emotions of one is found in harmonious contrast with the fiery sentiments of the other after having talked reason with older heads one loves to talk nonsense with youth therefore if the threads of the story do not seem very intimately to connect the chapter we are now writing with the one we have just written we do not intend to give ourselves any more thought or trouble about it than roysdale took in painting an autumn sky after having finished a springtime scene we accordingly resume raoul de bragelonne's story at the very place where our last sketch left him in a state of frenzy and dismay or rather without power or will of his own hardly knowing what he was doing he fled swiftly after the scene in la valliere's chamber that strange exclusion louise's grief montalais's terror the king's wrath all seemed to indicate some misfortune but what he had arrived from london because he had been told of the existence of a danger and almost on his arrival this appearance of danger was manifest was not this sufficient for a lover certainly it was but it was insufficient for a pure and upright heart such as his and yet raoul did not seek for explanations in the very quarter where more jealous or less timid lovers would have done he did not go straight away to his mistress and say louise is it true that you love me no longer is it true that you love another full of courage full of friendship as he was full of love a religious observer of his word and believing blindly the word of others raoul said within himself guiche wrote to put me on my guard guiche knows something i will go and ask guiche what he knows and tell him what i have seen the journey was not a long one guiche who had been brought from fontainebleau to paris within the last two days was beginning to recover from his wounds and to walk about a little in his room he uttered a cry of joy as he saw raoul with the eagerness of friendship enter the apartment raoul was unable to refrain from a cry of grief when he saw de guiche so pale so thin so melancholy a very few words and a simple gesture which de guiche made to put aside raoul's arm were sufficient to inform the latter of the truth ah so it is said raoul seating himself beside his friend one loves and dies no no not dies replied guiche smiling since i am now recovering and since too i can press you in my arms ah, i understand 
and I understand you too. You fancy I am unhappy, Raoul? Alas! No, I am the happiest of men. My body suffers, but not my mind or my heart. If you only knew, oh, I am indeed the very happiest of men. So much the better, said Raoul. So much the better, provided it lasts. It is over. I have had enough happiness to last me to my dying day, Raoul. I have no doubt you have had, but she... Listen, I love her, because... But you are not listening to me. I beg your pardon. Your mind is preoccupied. Yes, your health in the first place. It is not that, I know. My dear friend, you would be wrong. I think to ask me any questions, you, of all persons in the world. And he laid so much weight upon the you that he completely enlightened his friend upon the nature of the evil and the difficulty of remedying it. You say that, Raoul, on account of what I wrote you. Certainly. We will talk over that matter a little when you have finished telling me of all your own pleasures and your pains. My dear friend, I am entirely at your service. Thank you. I have hurried. I have flown here. I came in half the time the government couriers usually take. Now tell me, my dear friend, what did you want? Nothing whatever but to make you come. Well, then, I am here. All is quite right, then. There must have been something else, I suppose. No, indeed. De Guiche! Upon my honor! You cannot possibly have crushed all my hopes so violently, or have exposed me to being disgraced by the king for my return, which is in disobedience of his orders. You cannot, I say, have planted jealousy in my heart, merely to say to me it is all right be perfectly easy. I do not say to you, Raoul, be perfectly easy, but pray understand me. I never will, nor can I, indeed, tell you anything else. What sort of person do you take me for? What do you mean? If you know anything, why conceal it from me? If you do not know anything, why did you write so warningly? True, true. I was very wrong, and I regret having doing so, Raoul. It seems nothing to write to a friend and say, Come, but to have this friend face to face, to feel him tremble, and breathlessly and anxiously wait to hear what one hardly dare tell him, is very difficult. Dare? I have courage enough, if you have not, exclaimed Raoul in despair. See how unjust you are, and how soon you forget you have to do with a poor wounded fellow such as your unhappy friend is. So calm yourself, Raoul. I said to you, come. You are here. So ask me nothing further. Your object in telling me to come was your hope? that I should see with my own eyes, was it not? Nay, do not hesitate, for I have seen all. Oh! exclaimed Guiche. Or, at least I thought. 
there now you see you are not sure but if you have any doubt my poor friend what remains for me to do i saw louise much agitated montalais in a state of bewilderment the king the king yes you turn your head aside the danger is there the evil is there tell me is it not so is it not the king i say nothing oh you say a thousand times more than nothing give me facts for pity's sake give me proofs my friend the only friend i have speak tell me all my heart is crushed wounded to death i am dying from despair if that really be so as i see it is indeed dear raoul replied de guiche you relieve me from my difficulty and i will tell you all perfectly sure that i can tell you nothing but what is consoling compared to the despair from which i see you suffering go on go on i am listening well then i can only tell you what you might learn from every one you meet from every one do you say it is talked about then before you say people talk about it learn what it is that people have to talk about i assure you solemnly that people only talk about what may in truth be very innocent perhaps a walk huh. a walk with the king yes certainly a walk with the king and i believe the king has already very frequently before taken walks with ladies without on that account you would not have written to me shall i say again if there had been nothing unusual in this promenade i know that while the storm lasted it would have been far better if the king had taken shelter somewhere else than to have remained with his head uncovered before la valliere but the king is so very courteous and polite oh de guiche de guiche you are killing me do not let us talk any more then nay let us continue this walk was followed by others i suppose no i mean yes there was the adventure of the oak i think but i know nothing about the matter at all raoul rose de guiche endeavored to imitate him notwithstanding his weakness well i will not add another word i have said either too much or not enough let others give you further information if they will or if they can my duty was to warn you and that i have done watch over your own affairs now yourself question others alas you are no true friend to speak to me in that manner said the young man in utter distress the first man i meet may be either evilly disposed or a fool if the former he will tell me a, a lie to make me suffer more than i do now if the latter he will do worse still ha, de guiche de guiche before two hours are over i shall have been told ten falsehoods and shall have as many duels on my hands save me then is it not best to know the worst always but i know nothing 
I tell you, I was wounded, attacked by fever, out of my senses, and I have only a very faint recollection of it all, but there is no reason why we should search very far. When the very man we want is close at hand, is not D'Artagnan your friend? Oh, true, true. Get to him, then. He will be able to throw sufficient light upon the subject. At this moment a lackey entered the room. What is it? said the guiche. Someone is waiting for Monseigneur in the cabinet de porcelaine. Very well. Will you excuse me, my dear Raoul? I am so proud since I have been able to walk again. I would offer you my arm, de Guiche, if I did not guess that the person in question is a lady. I believe so, said de Guiche, smiling as he quitted Raoul. Raoul remained motionless, absorbed in grief, overwhelmed, like the miner upon whom a vault has just fallen in, who wounded his life-blood welling fast, his thoughts confused, endeavors to recover himself, to save his life and to retain his reason. A few minutes were all Raoul needed to dissipate the bewildering sensations occasioned by these two revelations. He had already recovered the thread of his ideas when, suddenly, through the door he fancied he recognized Montalais's voice in the cabinet de porcelaine. "'She!' he cried. "'Yes, it is indeed her voice. She will be able to tell me the whole truth. But shall I question her here? She conceals herself even from me. She is coming, no doubt, from Madame. I will see her in her own apartment. She will explain her alarm, her flight, the strange manner in which I was driven out. She will tell me all that. After Monsieur d'Artagnan, who knows everything, shall have given me a fresh strength and courage. Madame, a coquette, I fear, and yet a coquette who is herself in love has her moments of kindness, a coquette who is as capricious and uncertain as life or death, but who tells de Guiche that he is the happiest of men. He at least is lying on roses. And so he hastily quitted the comte's apartments, reproaching himself as he went for having talked of nothing but his own affairs to de Guiche, and soon reached D'Artagnan's quarters. End of chapter 11 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia